Henry sisters on the 9th of June, 1862, on a summer's afternoon. I took the bus to Bamberg's and she was heavy laden. Away we went along Collingwood Street, that's on the road to Bladen. Hello and welcome to CHN Radio, episode 59. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. You can follow me on Twitter at UFC underscore Greg. And then, more importantly, follow our podcast at CHN underscore radio. Without further ado, I am bringing to you, blessing your ears with the best damn co-hosts, United States of America, and the other half of the only black and white podcast, I bring you. Elijah Newsom. Yes, um, I'm here, people. Uh, you can you can find me on the Twitters at Elijah underscore Newsom. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram too, uh, please don't because that's weird. Um, but yeah, there's uh, that, that's that. This is a this was an interesting weekend. Yeah, it was. You had what seems to be the norm now: incredibleness, Iose, and incredibleness, Isaac Hayden. Yeah. But you didn't have the usual of us winning. Yeah, this would have been our third match in a row. We'd won. We'd win. We we would have won. Yeah, if we had won, which is insane. Um, but yeah, so uh, Newcastle drew against Brighton, which was something that I don't really think a lot of people saw coming, especially after the first half. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. But yeah, Newcastle drew. Um, I'm feeling pretty meh about it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially with. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of opportunities, especially one thing that we'll definitely talk about is, like, penalties. Mm. Interesting mm. that you bring up penalties at a time like this. Mm. I'm yeah. not going to be that guy, but there's been a lot of controversial refing uh, recently between the Premier League, the MLS, and the and the playoffs, the NBA playoffs. A lot, lot of controversial refing. Yeah. Mm. Just looking at that conspiracy theory, uh, refs are ganging up against us fans yeah hmm. ban the refs ban let, the, let refs. the players call their own fouls <laughs> what we should do we should just build a wall and keep the refs out yeah that's it and, build a wall and then the players will call their own fouls yeah it'll be just like school ground pickup basketball yeah. and soccer just yeah. call your own fouls imagine like there's always there's going to be a one player on every team that calls a foul on everything mm-hmm. and They'll just get like beat up by the fans afterwards. Mo Salah, yeah. <laughs> Mo, Mo Salah would score fourteen goals a game. Yeah, he all penalties. He give himself thirteen pens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, let's get into some club news. Uh, just a little update you on the U twenty three. So they got a big win. Uh, they beat Burrow one uh, nothing. Tom Allen, what up? And because Southampton beat the Mackhams 5-1, to one, that doesn't move Newcastle up in goal difference. So Newcastle is sitting in fourth place in the league. So they'll, they'll And that was the last game of the season. So they are going to be in the playoffs. It will be Reading versus Newcastle for the promotion playoffs. So it will be the fourth time that the U23s have played the uh, Royals U23s. Uh, Reading won four to two, and then Newcastle, like in Newcastle, Reading won four to two in Newcastle, and Newcastle uh, went to Reading and beat them two nothing. And the third time was in the Premier League Cup, which we're in the final four, uh, and oh. we beat. Obviously, we beat Reading because we're in the final. Uh, we beat them two to one. So bring home some silverware. Yeah, yeah. U twenty threes are in the final of the Premier League Cup. Um, We'll find out this coming Saturday. It's Swansea City versus Everton, uh, which will be interesting since one Newcastle player left the, the youth system to join Everton's, uh, and they could, we could be playing against each other in the Premier League Cup final. But that's your update. It will be Newcastle versus Reading for promotion to the Premier League Two Division One. They're in Division Two right now, so uh, yeah, we'll I'll give you keep you updated on that. I think. 
the game. I don't have I don't have dates in front of me, but we'll update you. I actually don't think they're even announced, so we'll update you when that happens. But uh, good for them. Let's hope they get promoted. Next thing, yeah, uh, Sunderland. Yeah, they they have failed to to uh, gain automatic promotion from League One. <laughs> um, after I think the bizarre stat was that they have like seventy percent of the it's either the wage bill of League One on their team. Oh yeah, seventy like percent of this. like the the transfer fees for League. But anyway, Sunderland uh, spent the most money in League One, and uh, they are not guaranteed automatic promotion. Um, so uh, there's a potential. There's an op. There's like a very honestly a pretty likely possibility that Sunderland. Uh, Failed to to uh, get promoted to the championship, which would be hilarious. And honestly, looking at their squad, uh, not to be that guy, but looking at their squad, um, and they they did they did lose some key members in January. Um, if they even if they were tra- even if they were promoted to the championship, it would be hard to see this particular squad uh, be successful in the championship to the point of them getting back to the Premier League within the next two seasons. So, uh, um. Time War Derby, uh, probably not happening for another few years. Unless it's the FA Cup. Yeah. Um, that was, Could you imagine, though? That would be wild. That game would, like, that'd be sold out. Like, Oh, yeah, no question. Riots would happen. Yeah, that's um, that's yeah. what I was referencing. There would be yeah. some... There, The police would be present at this yeah. match. <laughs> um, so we announced the... Formal relegations of Huddersfield and Fulham, but now we have two confirmed members of the 1920 Premier League season. Uh, congrats to Norwich City and Sheffield United. Norwich City beat uh, Blackburn two to one, which gave them automatic promotion. Um, they're they should clinch the title. I think they have like a, a decent lead. And then Sheffield United beat uh, Ipswich Town two nothing, which made it. Which clinched it. Um, yeah. And then, the, I guess, since we're in the championship, do you want to just mention the Leeds Aston Villa match? Yeah. Um, like, well, that in case was you're living underneath a rock. The weirdest um, thing. Yeah. Uh, so, if you were living underneath a rock and didn't see this video, uh, Leeds played Aston Villa earlier in the match. Um, Aston Villa player went down, and uh, Leeds player uh, looked like he was kicking the ball out of bounds, like out of play, but actually sent a through ball in to their winger who cut in and scored a goal um, against a defense that was like obviously thinking that uh, match that the play would be stopped. Um, the ref called it a goal. Um, whether he saw the injured player or not, no one really knows or seems to care. Uh, it caused a big uproar on the sideline. Um, and then Marco Biesla uh, instructed his team to let uh, Aston Villa score uh, after the kickoff, and Aston Villa proceeded to do so. And then, well, during that, a Leeds player tried to tackle an Aston Villa player who was through on goal. Um, and basically, it just caused a whole rift. There was a lot of issues to unpack. One, whether or not the like it, whether or not it was morally correct for Leeds to score when the injured player was down. And then uh, there was a whole controversy between uh, that defender and Biesla who they disagreed on whether or not they should let Aston Villa score. At the end of the day, uh, it ended in a 1-1 draw and kind of cost Leeds uh, some points that would uh, get them, make at least the automatic promotion race a little bit more interesting. So, Greg, I guess my first question for you, which I already know the answer to, um, is what are your thoughts on scoring that goal initially by Leeds? Aston Villa player obviously down at midfield, um, and ref doesn't blow the whistle, and uh, lead score. What, do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, play till the whistle is blown. I mean, it's it's taught everywhere. Like I completely disagree with uh, the decision of their manager to let them score. It's I completely disagree. Like you, you should play until the whistle's blown. If it was a serious injury, which by the way it wasn't, the player remained in. <laughs> like then. The ref, the ref will blow the whistle if it's a serious injury or a head injury. The ref didn't blow the whistle. It's you would hope. Goal. It's a good goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess my, I think we, we did the same against Cardiff earlier in the season. Ron kicked the ball out of play. He was 
clearly he could have scored and he kicked it out of play. Um, but that one was a head injury, and it would seem like and Newcastle fans were mad. But it was like an obvious head injury, and everyone knew it, and it just seems like the ref wasn't paying attention and never blew the whistle. That was another situation. Um, I, I think I'm honestly a firm believer in, in, in the football guys rewarding you for, for doing the right thing sometimes. I think that Leeds is probably going to end up being in the Premier League. Um, but it was interesting to see Biesla, uh ask his team to score, um, partially because... Who's the manager of Aston Villa? It's someone famous, and I just totally forgot the name. Yeah, uh, Lampard. Yeah, Lampard. Oh, no, he's playing. Wait, is he? No, I think he's the manager. Yeah. Uh, we'll just have to. Are you looking oh, that up? Yeah, I'm looking looking for it. Uh, it's Dean Smith. Oh, Dean. <laughs> Whoops. Well, yeah, it's we Frank Lampard's playing for them then. Or, wow. It's a, Maybe he's like, a player coach. Yeah. Okay. Well. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> like the whole well, sorry, Aston y'all. Villa. Because I, 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 you're right. I remember seeing a very uh, famous, uh, a famous like a, a former player like being mentioned as. Anyway, um, yeah. that's not the point. The point is that Aston Villa like sideline was erupting and like really pissed and Biesla. It looked like he just kind of did it out of like the honestly the fear of like anything happening in terms of a fight or something that would result in like players getting suspended or him getting suspended or whatever and i feel like that was more the reason he did it rather than like the sportsmanship but i, I think leads are going to end up in a like a playoff position and still uh possibly qualify for premier league um yeah i don't know it was interesting lampard's the manager of darby he is that's what it was yeah all right yeah um next thing Let's talk about yeah. Poppy Cisse. Yeah, it's not um, not good news. Yeah, it's not good news. Uh, so uh, there was a minibus. Um, Poppy Cisse is currently playing uh, for Alan Yaspor. Um, Alan Yaspor. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. Um, but they basically, uh, it's a Turkish club, and uh, they got into a, a bus accident, and uh, unfortunately there was a casualty. Uh, Yosef Saral died, but. Uh, Papisise picked up um, an injury. Um, it doesn't oh, really? seem like it's. Yeah, I heard, it I heard like that he was uninjured. Well, it was not a serious injury. Okay. Is what I was getting to. Um, it was a minor injury, uh, which I would interpret as probably like scratches or bruises from the accident. Typical car accident injuries. Um, but yeah, so that's just something to keep an eye on. Um, uh, obviously, thoughts and prayers out to the family of the deceased. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it was cool to see the football community come together um, for this moment. But yeah, that, that's uh, something that happened today. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thoughts and prayers for sure go out to Justin Sarah. And in lighter news, our prince Sean Longstaff. He was in Canada, chilling with Toon Army. Yeah, watching the match <laughs> with. Toon Army Toronto, which, like, come to Vegas and Atlanta also. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I have a couple questions. Why? How did he get to Toronto? Yeah, like, I don't know that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the weird part because it's not like he's from Toronto. Like, he has family in Canada. Um, I don't know. That was interesting. Yeah. Uh, but, um, I mean, I know they're big hockey people, or his dad is. Maybe he went for a Leafs game. Are the Leafs still in the playoffs? I no, don't they got that. eliminated by, by Boston. Well, then I have no idea why Sean Longstaff was there. I mean, the Hockey Hall of Fame's there. Maybe that's it. Yeah, that's still still odd. Um, <laughs> I'll say this, though. Uh, the club really just used this. It, I, I don't know. Greg, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. I, I honestly didn't enjoy the club kind of making a big deal of this as if like like painting themselves in a positive light as if they had anything to do with it like they were quote tweeting the stuff and and they wrote a whole story about it yeah and it's like the club themselves has a terrible relationship with fans especially international fan bases international fan groups um such as toon army anyone in america um so i just thought it was a little odd that the club used this 
as a platform to make themselves look better. Um, being someone who's dealt with the club um, personally, I'd love to to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, uh, it's. Uh, I'm not going to say everything because this will. If I said my true thoughts, it would be the one time like somebody from the club actually listens to the podcast. Yeah. Um, but there's everybody else is doing way more. Like, yeah. uh, you know, Chelsea, like the London is Blue Pod, which we did a joint podcast with. They have literally, like, Chelsea has flown them in to London a second time to interview players. Like, they interview and, players and they get access. And there's like Spurs and Chelsea. There's so many more that do like official supporters club members of the club where they'll send them memorabilia and mail and all this stuff and send stuff to the bar to hang. Uh, we, we do nothing of the sort, uh, which is a shame because there's a huge sim- semblance. And if you want, and if money is important, which money is important to Mike Ashley because he keeps it all, um, you, you'd want to make those supporters feel closer to the club so then the investment's still there, uh, which Newcastle just doesn't do enough of. Yeah. Um, and, and to add on that, I just want to point London and Blue have gotten not just like interviews with it's not like they're interviewing like bench players, they're interviewed like as Quid Lapetta, yeah, before his like 100th appearance for the 200. club or something like that. 200, yeah, it's just like they get like, appearance. They interview like a 15, night. it was like a 15 or 30 minute sit down with them. So it's, it's interesting to see what other clubs do in comparison to Newcastle. Maybe the tides have turned. Um, I mean, the club did they did for the first time like a tweet mentioning. Uh, you know, uh, I think this is the first time they did this. They liked a tweet mentioning um, Warren like Barton. Them. It was our live pod. Yeah, the Warren Barton thing. That was the first time I've I've honestly seen the club have any interaction with uh, a fan club or fan group outside of Newcastle. Um, and I think a little bit. I think they're making strides in the right direction. It should be interesting to see what they do going forward. Um, uh, like I know that they they. Uh, complimented war flags and gave them a good luck as war flags are going to Poland right now as we speak to pick up their record-breaking runner um so I I think the club is trying um it would be interesting to see what they actually do and um I don't know I I I mentioned this earlier in our chat Uh, part of it is the culture Mike Ashley um brings to the club and it'll be interesting to see if there's new ownership um whether or not they see fans as a priority and it'll be interesting to see whether or not like that translates and trickles down to the bottom of the club where you got people who are actually like their role is to foster these relationships with these supporters group. Yeah. 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 I hope, uh, I hope it gets better. Um, but there is some good news from long staff. Yeah. Uh, he confirmed that he's going to be fit for uh, preseason. So, Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. So we have an estimate of when he's going to be back. Um, not really a clear estimate, um, as, as far as I could tell as to whether he'd be, um, you know, available for, I think the U21 world cup, I think that's this summer. Uh, I can't remember which, if it's U21, U23, but there's a young person's world cup, uh, this summer and, uh, obviously England are, are slated to participate. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if he even, uh, is, is ready by then, but for sure we do know he's going to be ready for the preseason. So, uh, Looking forward to having him back in the team. Could potentially be a very important player for Newcastle next season. Um, we can get into that a little bit later, as it's possible that we could see the departure of, of, of some key midfielders. Yeah, uh, a couple a couple key world. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Okay. Um, okay. That was well, that. I don't think Key's leaving, but... Oh, oh, you're saying a couple of mid... Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair. A few. Yeah. Um... Now, going into the management situation at Newcastle, Rafa Benitez. Uh, I, I mean, it's not. We're in DEFCON 2 still. It's yeah, like, we're in DEFCON 2 still. panic mode. Yeah, um, I, there's a couple of things I want it's to touch not on this. Hitting the nuclear alarm. Yeah, uh, there's been reports that Benitez has stated that he's not asking for 200 million, but uh, making a stretch on like 50 million pounds in terms of for a. a a particular budget for a window which is promising i guess because 50 million pounds seems a bit more doable um from a newcastle standpoint 
uh, as opposed to, you know, 75 to 100 million pounds. Um, I guess the big news is that there's kind of a standoff right now between the club and Benitez. Uh, Benitez has offered to meet with uh, Ashley and Charnley. For from what it, it looks like from a uh, from a perspective of journalists from a journalistic approach, it looks like um, Charnley's the one handling all the negotiations, and Ashley has kind of given Charnley a layout of where he's going to budge and not budge. Um, but uh, with that being said, there's a couple of things I want to kind of pose to you, um, and then just one more thing we can kind of touch on uh, before we get into this this the, before we get into the, the rest of this pod. Um, do you think a deal is going to get done? Okay, um, I'm going to say I think yes. Okay, um, I'm staying optimistic with it. I think that I I'm thinking from from my point of view, it's like how could you not get this done? Yeah. Um, and you just I just hear it as Rafa says, okay, we've we haven't finished, you know inside the top 10 and I want to be inside the top 10 and fighting for trophies. So just need a little bit more investment so we can get there. Obviously we finished 10th last year, we finished 13th or we're in 13th now. So just a little extra push. So we can fight for seventh and trophies and we'll be in a good position. And Mike Ashley's like, no, 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 13th. Yeah. Let's stay here. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. So I think a deal will be done, but yeah. that's just, like me looking at it through only my eyes and not looking at reality. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I, I honestly do think a deal's going to get done. Um, I think part of the reason is that I think that there's been some compromises already made. Um, I think from what we're hearing in terms of academy, um, Rafa wanted to revamp the academy, and he wanted to have some facility upgrades. And it looks like the revamping of the academy is happening. And from, Does you it? know... it. I mean, it looks like they're making steps in the right direction, at least doing things. Like, there's turnover in terms of players getting released, and there's there's talks of active recruitment to try to get yeah. like other players to join the academy, which is, albeit, something that we haven't seen before. Like, I haven't, I haven't, I can't in recent memory, it seems, at least since covering the club, having seen so many articles about um, active recruitment, yeah. and then... You know, I haven't seen a level of turnover in the academy like this in a while. I think that's promising because I think that's one talking, that's one point that we knew Rafa wanted to address. Um, so I think that there's like they're moving in the right direction. I honestly do think that the transfer budget is probably the thing that's holding them back. Um, and I think that's the last straw. And I think that there's going to be compromise on one on either side in order to get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it may not be 50 million pounds both windows. It may be 50 million pounds in the summer and then a couple signings in January. Um, but I do think that there will be a bit of a budget upgrade. And I think there will be, um, I don't know, some understanding between the two. I think you have to go into this summer at least knowing that there's going to be players leaving. There's going to be funds generated um, but I do, I do think that there, there could, there's potential for a deal to be done. I'm not as worried. Yeah. Um, and but you know, in the case that a deal doesn't get done, um, what you know, if you had, if you had any idea of what Newcastle's thinking, replacements, what, who would you think? Fat Sam. Fat Sam is is good. I, I honestly think Pardew is is just he's just waiting for this to like he's he's a, he's one of the the few. I don't even say a few pundits. He's one of the He's one of the probably the most vocal pundits about like wanting to get back, getting back into like managing. I do think Pardew is probably on on the short list. Um, I, I think there's been a misconception, and we've touched on this right, in our Slack. Um, if you want to, if you want access to the Slack, you gotta join the staff. Um, but we've touched on this in our Slack. Uh, there's like links of like guys like Gattuso and other things like that, and. I've called them smoke screens by the managers themselves because, um, as you and I both know, Newcastle aren't the type of club to go out and try to lure in a big name manager. Um, there have been certain site members, certain staff members, not going to name names, who strongly believe Gattuso is is a likely candidate or or want Jose Mourinho to to come to the club. But to be honest, Newcastle haven't under the in the Ashley area haven't really gone after 
any big name manager or even any middling manager. They've gone after kind of the bargain bin managers uh, over their time. And, and you pointed this out on multiple podcasts. Rafa approached Newcastle and offered his services, and Newcastle said yes because they were desperate. Um, it, don't don't make the mistake of giving Mike Ashley credit for for bringing Rafa to Newcastle. So true. Yeah. So um, that that's talking Rafa managerial situation. We'll, we'll close things out with the little BS meter. Uh, Danny Welbeck's apparently uh, slated to be a free agent uh, in the summer, and uh, Newcastle are a club he's linked to. Um, to be fair, we've been linked to Danny Welbeck for like at least the past two or three years. Uh, he's obviously an out of favor player at Arsenal. Um, I think he's going on twenty eight now. Uh, but yeah, BS meter for this. Okay. Um, there's an article back in September 12th of 2018. Mm. Um, uh, a Reddit post came out and it said, is it really possible that this guy took a 15 pound poop? And that is, that is the level of BS that I am bringing to the table for this article. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I have to agree with you. There's a lot of red flags there. Uh, I mean, the first and foremost is any striker linked to Newcastle over the age of 26, uh, you can just throw that out of the window, um, especially since it seems like the Ashley administration is very uh, very tied to this whole let's get younger uh, situation. Um, and then two, like, Newcastle don't typically make free transfer signings because um, guys like that, look at Max Meyer or... Uh, Who's is it? What Aaron Ramsey? Who's going to PSG? Uh, oh, really? I don't think I heard this. Well, there's. It's like yeah, I think so. It's it's one of these midfielders, basically like guys who are, have the six months or less on their contract, um, and especially in the Premier League. Yeah, like, you're right. When they, right. yeah, when when they do these these free con these free transfers, like they're making a buttload of money. Um, we're talking about Max Meyer who. I don't even think Max Meyer starts for Crystal Palace right now. He's making 150k a week, um, so uh, it's just yeah. Imagine what Welbeck's going to demand, and I, I honestly don't think Welbeck's going to be in the Premier League next season. If he is, it could be with like um, you know maybe Crystal Palace, uh, possibly Bournemouth, um, but not Newcastle. Um, honestly, I think it's more likely he'll be in China because I think he's going to try to chase a little bit of money, but. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, keep your eye on. Um, but yeah, but honestly, that's it for club news. You got anything else? Um, no, no. Uh, we will get into the Brighton review right after a word from our friends. All right, and we're back. We got another point, and it was a road point, which we claim we'll always take. Um, Newcastle won. The Seagulls won. Um, so we will start it off with some three words. There was only, there's only two suggestions. Sorry for the lack of social media presence this week. It won't happen again. This From this CHN season, Radio. This season. Yeah. It won't happen again this season. Um, yeah. So there's only two. Um, the first one from Toon Army Denver at Mile High Magpies. What up? Uh, Perez off injured and Trevor Mooney in the Spongebob font Iose still shite <laughs> yeah yeah I think uh, I, it's fair that Trevor is continuing out of retirement of that three words uh, it's deserved at least yeah crazy crazy um, alright so let's move in we had our our lineups and we, we had our predictions uh, by the way <laughs> Right. What yeah. do you think about the lineups? Um, you know, like we said, Shelby starting. It was bound to happen. Um, it, it was it was interesting to see Rafa go this route um, because it was so obvious that we would need some sort of semblance of of uh, creation from the midfield since we lost kind of the person who draws. Um, I don't know, how do you say this, draws attackers away from Rondon and Perez and Almiron, and that kind of creates offense in itself. So it was good to see Shelby uh, get the start. Um, his actual play, though, uh, we, we can talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, and Atsu. 
Yeah, I mean, I knew Atsu was going to start. Um, that that was I'm, our that was our two things. though. we said Shelby. Well, and Atsu. three things. Then, if you want to say, because you, you called that Brighton would bunker down. Oh no, no, wait. You said Brighton, Brighton would, would uh would would go for it, and Bruno said that they were going to go for it. Yeah, I mean. Did Brighton go for it in the beginning? No, not really. <laughs> but before the match, Greg was right, so we're going to count that three for three because their captain said they were going to go for it and take advantage of being at home. Literally the exact same thing you said about them being at home, this being an important match. Um, and Bruno, their captain, was like, yeah, we're going to – it's it's at home. It's an important match. We're going to go for it. And, I mean, their definition of going for it is a little bit different than, than ours. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um and and immediately started great for for Brighton because Cardiff lost to Fulham, <laughs> yeah. Which they're going down now. Like the yeah, only it's... way the only way Brighton would go down is if Cardiff wins against Man United and Crystal Palace, and Brighton loses to Man City and some other good team that they're playing. Oh, and Arsenal. Um, which. It, it's possible, but it's, it's just not going to happen. It's more likely Brighton loses those both to both of those teams than Cardiff beating any one of those teams. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so, we're not saying it's impossible for Brighton to lose to, to those teams. Yeah, uh, it was Newcastle started off three man central defense again. Uh, Fernandez was in the middle. He replaced the injured Lascelles. Um, Shelby was alongside Hayden, and then Atsu was on the left. Perez on the right and Rondon up front. So the start, it was, I mean, the start was Perez. Perez was creating opportunities for Newcastle. Um, We were playing very well. Um, Atsu and Perez were just like easily just walking right through Brighton's defense at the beginning of it. Um, So it was great. Now the, and then the first incident happened. It was like eighth or ninth minute. Um, and this is where Perez's injury picked up, if you heard from the three words, that he he's like running into the box. And I can't remember who it was, uh, the Brighton player that hit him. But all right, so he's right at the edge of the box. You can argue that he wasn't in the box. But the defender had no intention of, of playing the ball here. It's like an obvious foul, and if it's in the box, it's a penalty. Um, and Perez is injured from it, or hurt his hip, but the defender came right in, like completely reckless, and just checks him. It's like a hockey check. Yeah. And no, like the ball, like he had no intention of playing the ball, and that's that's by definition a foul. So we either get a free kick that we'll put over the bar because it's too close, or a penalty. thoughts yeah no (laughs) for it was interesting because this was a mike dean match and for a mike dean match you know you expect a lot of fouls to be called on newcastle but you also expect him to call out of fouls in general and it just seemed like he didn't call a lot of fouls for nuke and newcastle's favor um he called a lot of fouls in general but it just seemed like the crucial fouls just weren't called in Newcastle's favor. And this was another example of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you can't hip check a guy. Like it's, it's you, just, no. you just can't. Like, I mean, if not you are, like it's an accidental hip check that you're playing the ball off of. But he, it was it seemed very obvious that he wasn't playing the ball at all. Which is the whole point of not it not being called a foul is if you're playing the ball. He clearly wasn't. But I'll move on. Uh, that. The, the focus primarily was on Perez from that point until the 20th minute. Um, so about 10 minutes, Perez is like going d- down, receiving treatment, and then then he did the magical thing again. It like by the way, world class finish by Iosi Perez. Uh, yeah, he's obviously been hurt, but it, it like dumb it. First off, dumb it walked like 30 yards <laughs> up the pitch. No defender even tried to come up and challenge him. They just let him walk into a dangerous area. And Dummett swings a perfect cross because he had no defender on him at all. Just a free cross into the box that Rondon chested down to Perez. And Rondon was like pimp. He was pimping 
right after that. He chests it down and just walks off like he knew. Like, yeah. He, and Perez was given way too much space to be in the middle of the box, and Perez just absolutely crushes it. Uh, like kind of side hits it and sends it to the top of the net for a goal. One nothing Newcastle. Elijah, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was always coming. Brighton were so I, the first half for Brighton honestly confused me um, because they had this weird thing where they would they would just not pressure the ball. So Newcastle players had a lot of time to pick out their passes, and to be fair. For, it was. It looked like there were times when Newcastle looked really dangerous because of it. Um, you know, guys had so much time to pick out passes. Um, Cher had time to. He made a, a, a signature Fabian Cher run at the end of the first half. Uh, John Joe Shelby was just pinging balls over the top, um, albeit about half of them weren't accurate. But still, he had the space to do that. And this was just, it was always coming. Newcastle were, were pretty dominant. Um, Brighton seemed very lackadaisical in defense. Um, they didn't really seem to have a clear plan. No one knew when to pressure. No one knew when to, to sag off. And, I mean, it just resulted in got multiple guys having so much open space. I mean, Rondon, Rondon receiving that cross had a guy that was not nowhere near the ball on him. Um, and gave that gave him the ability to chest the ball down. And, like you said, there was no one... Uh, near Perez, so uh, it was a great goal, excellent finish uh, with the right foot too, um, and the goalkeeper had no chance. Um, and honestly, if I'm the keeper, I'm yelling at my defense after that. Oh yeah, for sure. I would. Be, I mean, I don't know how Brighton fans were in storming the pitch after that. That was awful defending. <laughs> like yeah. you can't let uh, our wing back. No, he was a center back. Our center back. Yeah, he was a center walk back. Walk up yeah. thirty yards, completely non uh, uncontested. It's amazing that. That, that that cross was even allowed to take place. Um, and then Brighton were completely rattled after that. And Newcastle fans were yelling, screaming. And then there could have been another penalty. Um, Shelby put a did his te- like his typical dime piece ball into the area and Rondon was in front of Bruno and he goes down. There was contact. Um, I, it could have been just the tangled feet thing. No, but I mean, it's just another close call. Like Shelby puts a ball in the box. Rondon's there. He beats Bruno. Bruno like reacted late and knocked Rondon down in the box. Which I mean, there's plenty of referees that have called that a penalty before. Um, yeah. So I, I just wanted to mention that. But uh, that was pretty much the first half. Rafa was definitely pissed off oh well no that well, wasn't. wasn't there the didn't did the share chance happen in the yeah, first yeah, half yeah, i'm gonna get to that and, and that was also almost a penalty the, the other thing is is prez came off for kennedy in the 33rd that's minute that's definitely worth mentioning but yeah then share so share like he i don't know how to describe the share one so he's like it making was, a late run they're like uh passing going and he's cutting through the defense and, well, I mean, and don't, I don't even say it, he's cutting it? through the defense. He he just walked through the like there was no one defending yeah. him. Yeah, he just walked into the box, and then finally someone decided to come and challenge him, and he could have gone down. If he went down, that's a penalty. Yeah, yeah. If he goes down, it's a penalty, and he just doesn't. And then, um, the, I mean, the chance result it results in nothing. And he was asked about it, and he said he knew that if he would if he had gone down, it would have been a penalty. But like that's not the type of player he was. He is, which you know. I think a lot of Newcastle fans can respect. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on players going down for penalties? Because I think Newcastle is, interesting, is an interesting fan base because they get mad at players. Um, I remember Mikel Marino did it last year, um, going down for penalties. Um, but they also get mad at players for not going down for penalties. Um, so I just want to know think what your thoughts on I don't think that's just Newcastle fans. I think that's well, I mean, yeah. everyone. I mean, I mean, I think Liverpool fans love it when their players go down for penalties. <laughs> yeah, like I, they encourage it. I mean, I think there are certain clubs that, because of the players they have, I think they encourage. I wouldn't. I think that they turn a blind eye to diving. Liverpool fans will never complain about. They'll never admit solid dives. I think. I mean, you could say the same. Man City doesn't really need to dive, but 
if they're in a situation where Aguero goes down or Sané goes down, you know, one of their technically gifted players, I don't think their fans, I mean, if they have fans, um, I don't think they care either. I mean, I think there's certain clubs where, like, there's not that grit where, you know, fans genuinely get mad at players for diving. There's only a few clubs where, like, Burnley, I think, is one of them. Newcastle's one of them. I mean, any of the recently promoted sides as well, where, like, fans get upset when players are, like, diving. You look at one of the best players, or one of, you think of the top player that doesn't dive, that stays up when they get hacked at and everything, and it's messy. His name's messy. Yeah. Like, he, he runs through his fouls because, like, when... Also, when you when you fall down like unnecessarily, you just completely end the play and end the yeah. scoring threat. Like you know, a defender went down to take you out. They are currently on the ground, and you can control yourself to stay up. Just go, like yeah, you score. just beat the man. Like, like why go down and get and a to foul? To be fair, Cher almost game. scored. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, he did. And and I'm talking about just in anywhere on the pitch, in, but yeah, in, you're right. in the box. Yeah, I'm sure people are more willing to go down, but. I don't know. I I just I, I hate flopping in any sport, so that would be fine. I would lean towards that. Yeah. Um so second half started, hour mark, Brighton started getting into the game. They started to show more of an attacking threat, and that eventually paid off for them. It was actually I hate to say it, but Knockard came on and, and produced some chances for them. Yeah, he was a difference um, maker. Yeah, he, he definitely – he's had an awful two years, but uh, he, he was good on this day. Um, and Brighton got their goal right 75th minute. Um, yeah. I mean, Bruno crossed the ball from the right. Murray headed it into the six-yard box. Like, Murray just got above. I think it was Cher. And then uh, Pascal Gross just wide open, completely ran right through Dummett and Fernandez. And unchallenged, uncontested, it was one to one. Yeah, I, I, nothing good to I, say on that. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I just want to point out that Bruno to Murray to Pascal Gross is just quite a sequence in terms of age. Thirty-eight year old to thirty-five year old to twenty-seven year old. Just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just like I, when I heard that. Like I didn't realize Bruno and Murray were that old. And like part of me, and when I heard like the commentators announced that, I was like. Dude, they deserve to go down. Like, you cannot have a 38-year-old player starting every match in Premier League. Like, that's and a 35-year-old player starting every match in Premier League. Like, come on. But that, that I mean, was Brighton's first goal in 13 hours of play. That's insane. I was going to say that for the stat, but I feel but, like I mean, since you're set. talking about the age of players and why, how should you be in the prem if you're starting people this old? That's another stat to add to your evidence. <laughs> yeah, this isn't Syria. Oh, shots fired. Ooh, yeah, Ooh. we're getting a little controversial. Yeah, uh, shout out Torino FC, Europa League spot. All right, um, but yeah, that's that's how it ended. Um, you know, there there was, I mean, actually, Brighton almost won it in the 90th minute, but Murray headed it over the bar, thankfully. But it was a, a great 45 minutes, and Brighton were the better team. In the second, and I'm, I'm sure, like the loss of some key play, loss of Perez really had affected them. You, you're out, Almiron, and now Perez. Um, so there's not really much of an attacking threat going on outside of Rondon. So now Rondon's usually 30 yards away from the nearest player. Now he's like 60. So, <laughs> um, but it's a point on the road. So I will take that. Do you have any last words before I move to quotes? No. No? You're good? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's not much else to say. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, Perez out. It changed the, the tone of the match completely. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's not really much else to say. Yeah. Uh, well, there's one thing to add. Beautiful day in Brighton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rafa said, we knew Brighton were in a difficult position and would be under pressure. We started really well. In the first half, we had a total control of the game, passing the ball, creating chances, and it was a pity we couldn't score the second goal. We said at halftime that they will be more aggressive in the second half and on the front foot if they can. We needed to be a little bit better on the ball and on the counterattack and finish the game. We didn't do it. 
It's a game you cannot complain about too much, but if you analyze, there are two or three incidents that were quite clear penalties if you see the replays, but I don't want to talk too much about that. <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. Um, stats. Elijah, you want to say a stat? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I can go first. Um, I, I could dig it. I could dig it. Yeah. Um, I just don't want to take any fire that you may have. Well, okay, so this, this one, so we talked about, we kind of touched on this on our preview pod about you said shares your definite player of the season, and I threw out Solomon Rondon, and I'm saying Rondon's my player of the season. I'm just Ooh. throwing it out there. Um, when we release our article, I will, like, die on this Rondon player of the season hill because OptiJoe tweeted out a stat that just, like, confirmed it for me. Solomon Rondon, nine goals, seven assists, directly involved in 44% of Newcastle's Premier League goals this season. Highest percentage at the club since Alan Shearer. Um, I asked you if your stat was related to how Alan Shearer, and you said no. Well, I didn't read the second part of the stat, so glad I went first. Yeah. <laughs> All but right. Anyway, I yeah, honestly, I like legit, Greg. That was the first time I've read the entire tweet. I saw the first part of the tweet, and That's I was like, funny. "Oh yeah." This, the, I I was like, "Let me bookmark this." And let me like do the calculations on my own when I write my who player this season uh, <laughs> blurb because like it's gonna be like similar like especially with I don't know I don't want to be you know somber but like if Perez is injured for us like our goals are gonna come from Rondon <laughs> like yeah anyway um but yeah so just yeah that's my stat shout out to Rondon um, let's, let's get ready to Rondon yeah. Uh, Iose Perez and Rondon have combined for seven Premier League goals this season, the most by a Newcastle duo since Shearer and Solano, who had eight. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so Perez has 12 goals this season, 11 in the Premier League, and that's 47 goals in all competitions for Newcastle. Uh... He has now scored seven goals in seven Premier League appearances. And uh, before this stretch, it took him 33 games to get seven goals. But now he's seven and seven. Mm. Um, With one away match left in the season, Newcastle have lost seven times in 18 Premier League games on the road. Uh, If they lose to the Fulham, it would be eight losses. That's good math. And that would match the worst away campaign ever. Ever? Yep, it would match it. So hoping for a draw or win there. Um, we have drawn eight Premier League games away from home. Three of them ended 0-0, by the way. Um, in all of the other five that we've drawn, Newcastle scored first. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's really my stats. Uh, but we'll go to 538. And 538 has your Premier League predictions of how everything's going to finish. They have us finishing at 44 points, which means we're going to draw our last two games. Um, so that could be interesting <laughs> if that happened. Uh, I say we ended 45 points and lose one of our last two games. But I say we end at 48 points. Oh yeah, I I did that. Oh, naughty uh-huh. naughty. Oh, it is. Cardiff has a ninety six percent chance to be relegated to Brighton's four, and Manchester City has an eighty two percent chance to win the league. Liverpool's eighteen. Shout out to all the teams who uh, one do not want to finish in the top four. We're looking at you, Chelsea, Man United, Arsenal. Um, Arsenal, yeah, uh, and and shout out to all the teams that just don't want to win the league. Uh, Liverpool, Man City. Uh, it seems like you guys keep. Well, actually, they want to win. They, the league. I was about to say, I was like, they haven't lost. So. I'll say Germany, uh, Bayern, and Dortmund just do not want to oh, win yeah. the league. <laughs> yeah, just trash. Quick aside: Dortmund had two guys sent off, including their best player, within the span of three minutes. Uh, in, in a in a derby match against Schalke this this weekend, uh, just absolute scenes there, and they still almost came back and won the match, being down two men. 
but uh but that's that's a that's a different that's a different story for a different time uh but yeah all right let's go to do you have a worst player oh uh yeah i do um i'd say i wouldn't say worst player but i have a couple disappointing players um I think Mankio, after having two very solid performances, I just didn't see enough of him being involved in the offense. Um, even when Newcastle were insanely dominant, I didn't see him getting forward. He had the space to do so, but wasn't wasn't doing so. Like and it, like you look at a uh, like Richie was essentially playing as a second left winger because Brighton just weren't pressuring the ball, and Mankio was still kind of dropping back. So. I mean, maybe that was a tactical thing by Rafa, but overall, I, I thought I wanted to, I wanted to see a little bit more at him offensively. I didn't think he was bad defensively or anything. Um, and then the other one, not Perez, it's Shelby. Uh, Shelby, I think he was just a, a bit disappointing in the sense that he started to match off particularly pretty well, um, you know, playing some balls over the top that were finding players, being a little bit ambitious. And then he kind of fell off in the second half and kind of lost his footing, and it kind of led to him getting subbed. Uh, so th- I don't know. I just was a little bit disappointed by that performance overall, especially because we needed him to generate offense, um, especially going into the second half, especially once Ioze left uh, the match. Yeah. Um. My so uh, good call out on Mankio. I I did not think that was a great performance for him. It wasn't awful. Um. But if you're taking the worst of the bunch, uh, to me it's 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 Mankio. Uh, also, I give a lot of crap to Fernandez because I mean he just—I mean he gave up that goal by letting the defender right, run right by him. But uh, I think Mankiw had the worst day of the two. Uh, best player, I think it's a runaway for me. It's Isaac Hayden. Yeah, um, He's so I, good. I, <laughs> he was insane, Isaac Hayden. Uh, really making a, really making a, a tough case for him to, to leave. Like I just want him to stay. Yeah. Because he is, he has been one of our best players uh, down the stretch. Um, and I wouldn't even say it's gone unnoticed. It's just one of those things where like you you expect him to be in the first team because he's. It's obvious that he belongs there. Yeah. Um, just like defensively getting forward. Um, he does the things that other central midfielders can't he's like the perfect balance which is why it was nice seeing him and Longstaff in the midfield together because they they pushed and pulled um you know some some of our central midfielders are very one-dimensional Shelby doesn't do well on defense Diame doesn't do well on offense and Hayden does well both so it, it's it's been great to see him really assert himself and assert his dominance and you know as much as I, I and I and honestly I, this has to be said because I did make a big deal about this, about this, about whether or not Perez would be effective without Amiron, and he was, and it was evident. Um, so I do have to give a special shout out to him. Um, obviously, he scored the game-winning goal, but he did, he did, he was a part of chances that were being created beforehand, and it was evident when he left the field that Newcastle were a different team um, entirely. And part of that is because Kennedy was so bad. I mean, I wanted to make Kennedy my worst player. Um, but I feel like, I, I mean, honestly, you know, I could change it. Go back, rewind it. Uh, Kennedy is my worst player. He was absolutely ineffective. And I was, I was gonna almost, I was, I was thinking like Kennedy didn't play that much, but Kennedy played like almost the entire match because Perez went off pretty early. Kennedy was so bad, um, and it's just, it's, it's sad to see. Uh, he obviously doesn't want to be here anymore. Um, it's just, you know, this is the issue with loaning players. And Greg, you've alluded to this on the podcast before. You know, sometimes when you loan in guys, uh, you don't get the best and the best of them. And you touched the, you touched on this when we were talking about Bereka when we loaned him in. Um, and I gave the counterpoint of Atsu and Dubravka, but little did I know those were anomalies because because Kennedy has been absolute just awful, um, and and Bereka is still yet to like start for this team. Uh, he made a substitute appearance. Yeah, while we're winning or something. I but. bet you he, he appears at Liverpool. I mean, uh, Fulham. Yeah, I mean, I hope. <laughs> I I thought he was going to come on, dude. I mean, at this point, I would have rather have had Breca come on and play left wing back and Richie move up and play as a winger than Kennedy get subbed on. Yeah. 
I honestly was hoping that would happen because I just didn't think Kennedy was going to to do well, and he didn't. He was just absolutely garbage. Just Trash. was not involved at all. Just like it was, it was actually just embarrassing. He should be ashamed of himself for even showing up for that match. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, fair play to Jose. He he proved me wrong once again. Um, Eleven goals in the season for him. Uh, good for him. Yeah, good for him. Um, just we touched on this earlier, but Newcastle are in thirteenth place. We're tied with Bournemouth on points, but we have a four-goal better difference than them. Uh, We're one point behind Crystal Palace and four points behind West Ham, which would be 11th place. Uh, Right below us, I mentioned Bournemouth. Burnley is two points below us. Southampton, four points. And Brighton, seven points. Uh, Cardiff, Fulham, and Huddersfield can all not reach. All right, we're going to get into some questions, but we're going to do that after one more break. Well, Elijah, we have questions. We do. We have two of them. Oh, interesting. Uh, I'm also surprised I didn't get a single Game of Thrones question. Uh, we might have to tee that up. Well, no one cares about Game of Thrones. Yeah, no one talks about it. Yeah. Um, so, one lost muffin. He has a question and he said can we get ashley arrested for emotional abuse before rafa leaves obviously photoshopping him into isis pictures hasn't worked that was so funny (laughs) i I totally forgot about that yeah um yeah uh it's possible um shout out to what's your name chi on anurawe chi anurawe i can't yeah i can't say her last name but well the mp that she she's She's, like, trying to take legal action against Mike Ashley. She is? Uh, I, I was actually going to just ask if you had an update on any of that because I, I haven't kept up with it. I mean, there's not really much of an update. She's she just, like, anytime she's has the opportunity to. And you know what, Greg? And This is us. This is You're getting a live look and at playing a podcast. You know, it might not be a bad idea to reach out to her, see if she'd be interested in coming on the pod. Because That's, that's a great shout right there i'm gonna yeah we're, gonna, I mean, we're doing this yeah i, I just you that know it'd be a great summer interview yeah it just seems like she would be the type of person to do so um i don't know how british government works i don't know if they're in session in the summer or if they're on break i don't i don't understand how it works but she has been this whole year has has made it a priority uh to have someone look into the minister of finance or someone look into how mike ashley deals with the club and she has not given up on it um so one lost muffin answer your question it may not be possible to get him arrested for emotional abuse but it might be possible for the like the government to look into his dealings with the club especially when everything seems a bit shady um in terms of how he deals with the finances pertaining to the club and how that works with his loans etc etc um yeah but yeah, that's my answer to that question. Yeah, uh, I like what you answer because I, I didn't know how to answer this in a in a productive way, and you certainly filled that slot. So thank you for that, Elijah. Oh well, you know, it's what I'm. And for. the official questionnaire of CHN Radio, Trevor Mooney, at Trevor Mooney twelve, he said, "Which three current players would you guys choose to stand alongside you for a grand, friendly game of Premier League Family Feud?" Hmm. Uh, this has nothing to do with Liverpool. Well, we're not previewing Liverpool. Or it has nothing to do with Brighton, really. But I mean, okay, Trevor, <laughs> you have just Trevor I, needs is asking a question, and we he needs he needs an answer. That's true. Okay, so Family Feud. Um. <sighs> oof. Okay, that's tough. Yeah. So who? I'm trying to think of who would, who, what Newcastle players would be the best. All right, yeah, I think I've got it. Um, I'm gonna go Dummett. I think Dummett's really smart. I think, I think Sean Longstaff's pretty smart. Damn, you had mine. I mean, that's fair. I mean, I, Sean Longstaff's gonna be on both of our lists. And I think for my last person, I might have to go Dubrovka. Interesting. He's- I don't. I just. I see his maturity. In terms of like how he responds to criticism in the club, he's always one of the first players when we're in a bad stretch of form to come out and respond to something, and it seems like it's always the right thing to say. So I don't know, maybe he he's got something 
I don't know. I mean, well, if not him, Karen Clark, because Karen Clark has had nothing to do all season but stock up on knowledge. So, wow, you're missing a big one, and I'm okay. To do it. It's Sean, Sean Longstaff. Is okay, obviously. DeAndre Yedlin. Okay. Crush family He's familiar with the Family Feud. Yeah, that's my big one that you missed. That's true. I didn't even um, think about that. He's American, yeah. Yeah, uh, he would probably. Probably He'd probably crush it at Family Feud because yeah. he knows the American trends. Yeah. Yeah, but he does say Premier League version of Family. Let me let me no. verify. Yeah, a, a friendly game of Premier League Family Feud. Is that? I, I wonder if that's two Premier League teams facing off against each other or a Family Feud about the Premier League. Either way, DeAndre Yedlin's on my team. And then okay. the last submission is. Who's a player that's been in the Premier League for a very long time? On this team, Federico Fernandez, key, Shelby. Yeah, Shelby, author Shelby. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's a good one. Yeah, Shelby's. I don't think Shelby's ever. Well, I mean, he was in the I championship mean, with us for a season, so yeah. I would um, say I don't think he's ever been in in any level lower than the Premier League, but that was wrong. Yeah, I mean, but that was it. I mean, uh, if if we really had our pick of the lot, I would put Warren Barton and Alan Shearer on my team. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Love I it. mean, I just like yeah, they they're just geniuses in their own regard. Yeah, um, Alan Shearer, come on the pod. Yeah, do it. Do it. You won't. <laughs> um. All right. Do you have anything else? Um. Honestly, no. I'm I'm looking forward to this weekend. Uh, a little late match. Late another uh. Another uh, late match for uh, the Liver- for not the Liver- for the Newcastle fans. Um, shout out to all the Newcastle fans who traveled to Brighton. Um, I believe Graham said he got home at like five in the morning or something like that. Uh, so uh, obviously travel wasn't ideal for you guys. Um, so fair play to all the all the folks who went. Um, good luck to War Flags, uh, friend of the pod, friends of the pod, who as they go and pick up their runner from Poland. Um, but yeah, that, that's all I got. All right. Well, that concludes episode 59 of CHN Radio. I'm your host, Greg Troxell. That is Elijah Newsom. You're hearing Blade and Races and Hoy the Lads. I went to Blade and Races, was on the 9th of June, 1862 on a summer's afternoon. I took the bus to Bamberg's and she was heavy laden. The way we went to Lancolinwood Street, that's on the road to Blade and
stage right into blade and tune. The bellman he was carrying there, they called him Jackie Broom. I saw him talking to some chaps, and then he was persuading to Gamsey Jordy Ridley showing the mechanics how it bleeding. Coffee Johnny had a white hat on, they yelled, we stole the cuddy. There were spice dolls and monkey shows and ad wife selling ciders. And a chap with a hat in his own devotion and no more lads for riders. Oh, no. 